Um, you know, men's Bible study, we meet on Thursday mornings at 6, and we've been reading some books, some of the minor prophets recently. And as we read one of those books, kind of it stuck in my spirit. And so I want to start just a series on uh, one of those books, and it's called the book of Haggai. And it's a book that is in the Old Testament. I mean, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. It's literally two chapters. So in the midst of the Bible, it's hard to find. It's, it's, it's right towards the end, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, somewhere in that. So if you can find one of the Zs, you can find Haggai. That's how you get there. Um, but, it, but like I say, it's two chapters. But in those two chapters, uh, God is speaking what I think is a relevant kingdom message. It's a message that uh, sometimes we glance over, sometimes we don't just stop and ponder. And so I just want to look at what God is speaking. I like the book of Haggai because we have some other books for reference on what's happening. So the book of Ezra, and that comes before Proverbs, so it's going to come earlier, is actually kind of the background and in including the book of Haggai. So we can kind of get a picture of what's happening. We can kind of catch a glimpse of, of what's going on. Did our computer die? Okay. We can kind of catch a glimpse of what's going on. So before we get into the book, it's important to kind of know what the book's about. This is a prophet. Uh, prophets tend to speak. So, so who is he speaking? What's the context of what he's going on? So, so leading up to this, to this message that, that Haggai delivers that we can read. Here's what's going on. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians, they've invaded and under, uh, overtaken uh, the kingdom of Judah, and God's people were sent to captivity for 50 years. So for 50 years, they were in captivity because they've been uh, overtaken by the Babylonians. There's a king that comes. His name is Cyrus, and when he comes in to rule, he decides uh, that it's time for the, the temple to be rebuilt. So King Cyrus decides that he's going to send the Jews back out of captivity to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So um, I'll read Ezra because I said if we look at Ezra, it kind of gives us a history of what's going on. Ezra chapter 1, this is what Cyrus, the king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may be now living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with the freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Do you see the miracle that's happening here? The Persian king is looking at his people. He says, now if there's, any, if there's any of the Jews in exile here, I want you guys to rise up. And I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And what are you going to do? You're going to take gold and silver with you. We're going to provide for you to rebuild the temple that the Babylonians destroyed. And so, according to Scripture, about 50,000 Jews head back to Jerusalem with a purpose in mind. What are they going to accomplish? Hopefully they're going to accomplish rebuilding the temple. That's what God's sending them to do. So, so they head back to, uh, you can read all this, it's in the book of Ezra, like I said. So they head back and they begin to rebuild the temple. So, so with enthusiasm, 
Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 2, that's one of those chapters that you only make people read in Bible study because it's got lots of names. It tells about who all comes back. So so chapter 3, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, uh, and his associates began to build the altar of God, uh, to the altar of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it. In accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God, despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built an altar on its foundation, and they sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both in the morning and evening sacrifice. So the first thing that happens, the first thing they did, was they go to town, they they go where the king sends them, and they build an altar. And what do they do when they build an altar? They offer sacrifices. There's rejoicing because they're back home and they're back uh, building the altar, offering sacrifices to their God. So what's the next step? If I'm going to build a building, I have to build a foundation. So we're not stopping in chapter 2 of Ezra. Uh, well, and then we, I'm sorry, chapter 3, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation was laid. I mean, things are going according to plan. Cyrus sent 50,000 Jews. He equipped them. He gave them the finances they needed so they can go back to Jerusalem and they can build the altar and they can praise God. They can get the foundation laid and they praise God. So what comes next? This isn't hard. If you're building a house, what comes after the foundation? Let's build some walls, right? I mean, that's what we would assume would be the next thing we read. What do we find out happens in Scripture? It says in chapter 4 of Ezra, the peoples around them meaning the Jews, set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on to the building. They bribed the officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, the king of Persia, down to the reign of the Darius, the king of Persia. So what happened? 50,000 Jews headed back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They started with enthusiasm. They built an altar and they, and they built a foundation and they praised God every step of the way, but then all of a sudden some opposition came. Actually, the people you hear about, they actually offered to help first. And, and the Jews said, no, we don't need your help. So they got frustrated with the Jews because they wouldn't let them help rebuild the temple. And so they decided to oppose them. They hired counselors to stand up against them. And we read something about the rest of the, uh, of the reign of the, the king of Cyrus to the reign of Darius, and we don't really have a picture of that time frame. But something happens. We went from building with enthusiasm, the altar and the foundation, to becoming discouraged and as we'll read in the prophet Haggai in just a little bit, because I want to pick up with that book in, in Haggai, because that's where the prophet comes. About 16 years go by. The people have been called by God. A king of Persia was moved by God for God's people, 50,000 of them, to return to Jerusalem. He empowered them and equipped them to build the temple. He sent them there, and they started, but they got discouraged. They got discouraged for about 16 years before we meet this prophet Haggai. 
I want to look at what Haggai says to the people. I want to see what God is speaking to us because I believe there's kingdom principles in the book of Haggai. There's a kingdom understanding for us as we look at this book, these two chapters that I think are going to be revelation to our hearts. Haggai chapter 1. Like I said, if you want to find it, go towards the end of the Old Testament and start turning back a little bit. But sandwiched between Zephaniah and Zechariah. I'm going to pray as you try to find that. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for what you're speaking to us. I thank you for preparing us to hear this day. I pray, God, for us in this room. As we look at what happened in the Old Testament, I pray for kingdom connections. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would allow us to relate to, to understand what is happening and, 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 and take away what, what we need to apply to our hearts in our lives. I pray for our thoughts this day, God, that they would be yours. I pray for my words this day that they would be yours, that you would speak through your Spirit to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Haggai chapter 1, in the second year of the king Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, or Jehozadak, the high priest. Okay? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Here we're hearing from the prophet, 16 years later. These people say the time has not yet Come to rebuild the temple, the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You, you, um, you eat but you never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, I'll tell you something. When you're reading Scripture, if God says something twice, pretty close together, you're probably supposed to listen to what He's saying. He's saying to the people, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people, on livestock, and on the labor of all your hands. Sixteen years later, God is waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. Sixteen years later, he, he stirs in the heart of Haggai who begins to speak for God. And he goes to God's people and what's their excuse? Consider your ways. Verse 3, what is their excuse in verse 3? Well, the time hasn't come yet. 
Consider your way. Seriously, what are you saying to God Almighty? He sent you here 16 years ago to rebuild the temple. He called you out of captivity. He set you free by a Persian king to come rebuild the temple. And you're saying, what? Well, it's just not quite time yet. Let me tell you, as a pastor, if I had a quarter for every time I've heard it's just not time yet, I could retire. At 40 years old, I could retire. Because it seems like that's our phrase all the time. Like we're kids. And so it's just not time yet. We've got to grow up and we've got, we got to go to school. It's just not time yet. And then we've got to get married. You know, we've got to have our family. It's just not time yet. And then when we, we get married and then we start having kids, right? So it's just not time yet, God. And then we have kids and so we want to watch our kids grow up. So, I mean, it's just not time yet. And we want to get a solid foundation. We want to get out of debt. So when we get out of debt, that's when it'll be time. And so we start to get out of debt, but it's not time yet because guess what? Now we're having grandkids and I want to spend time with my grandkids. So it's just not time yet when my grandkids get old enough. And then we say, the time is past. I can't do that. I'm too old. I mean, how often, consider your ways, do, do we tell God, you know what, God, you set me apart. Look at what God did for these people. He brought them out of captivity. He used the Persian king to bring them out of captivity. He used the Persian goods to rebuild the temple. He equipped them. He sent them there to do this, and they had the nerve... Oh wait, I have the nerve. God has called me out. He's made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. He set me apart for a purpose and I have the nerve to look at Him and say, God, it's just not time yet. Boy, go ahead and tell God that because look at His response. Look at His response. He says... You're saying it's not not time yet. In verse 4, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your your painted houses while my house remains in ruins? I mean, you're saying it's not time yet. When is the time? It's been 16 years. Painted houses, for us that might sound weird. I mean, when I hear painted houses, the picture I get in my mind 1980s paneling, you know, the wood paneling in the basement of every house in 1980s because they thought it was great because they didn't have to to finish drywall. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, God's given them grace for 16 years. It's not about neglect your homes. It's not about don't go build your homes and have a place to stay. It's not that God is looking for them to to be homeless while they're building a temple or to practice self-deprivation in order to see the temple built. I mean, He's already provided for them. But they're making paneled houses. Well, what does that mean? For us, it doesn't mean much. For them, it meant everything. Paneling came from cedar. Cedar wasn't readily available, so they had to go find it and cut it down. It was an adornment. It was an accessory. They were like making their homes these, these, these great things, yet there's the foundation. 16 years. What do you think's happened to the foundation? That altar that they built and did the sacrifice on? 
What do you think's taken place on that? Sixteen years. You're saying it's not time yet? What are you waiting for? You're saying it's not time yet? You had all the time in the world to get those marble countertops and those gold doorknobs, but you can't take care of my house? Haggai starts with a question of priority. Kingdom priority. You're saying you haven't had time. You're justifying your fear of man by coming up with an excuse on why you didn't. You've come up with an excuse that has allowed you to to stay away from the task that I set you out to accomplish for 16 years. He tears a hole in that argument right away. He says, you say you don't have time. You've had all the time to decorate, to go far away, to cut down trees, to to make panels for your houses so your houses look good, but you're not worried about my house. What was important about the temple in the Old Testament? We just sang about He is in us. We have His presence or the promise of His presence. His presence was tangible in the temple. That's where the presence of God dwelt. Think of Solomon when he built the temple and they they had all the sacrifices and they said a tangible presence, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's where God's presence remained. You've gone for 16 years without the presence of God because you're too busy with your house. Give careful To your ways. He even gives them an inventory. Let's start thinking about this. You said you're too busy to build my house. You said you can't get to that. You're so busy building yours. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. Give careful thought to your ways. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. I mean, a day like today, you put on clothes and you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in them. Have you ever felt like that? Consider your ways. He's saying, give careful thought to your ways. What are all those... If you scroll down, Andrew, just scroll down so there's a, there's a slide with all those on that. Yeah, I think it's that one right there. Click on that. Keep going. Sorry. Keep going. There you go. Thank you. You've planted, but you haven't harvested. Or you only got just a little bit. You eat, but you never have enough. You know, you're just, you're always hungry. You're drinking, but you're just still thirsty. Is that what he's, he's saying? You, you put on clothes and, and you're not warm. You, you earn money. You earn good money, but it's like your, your wallet has a hole in it and you can't figure out where it all went. 
What are all those speaking about? Blessing? I'm not quite. I got you. Yes. You're not satisfied. Give careful thought to your ways. You've been doing it your way for 16 years. You've been planting the fields before working on the temple for 16 years. Yet, guess what? You're not satisfied. You've been eating. I'm guessing they ate fine. But you never have enough. You're not satisfied. You've been drinking. You've been drinking and drinking. But you're still thirsty. You're not satisfied. You've been trying to make yourself warm with your clothes. You put layer upon layer of clothes on, but you're still cold. You're not satisfied. Give careful thought to your ways. You've been earning wages and, and you've been making good money, but it just seems like your purse has a hole in it. You're not satisfied. Let me tell you, when you don't have kingdom priority, you will not be satisfied. Ain't nothing wrong with eating. Ain't nothing wrong with drinking. Ain't nothing wrong with putting clothes on. Ain't nothing wrong with, 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 with earning some money. But you're not going to be satisfied until you do what God asked you to do. You will not be satisfied until you start doing what God has asked you to do. All of this stuff takes place while you're doing it. I'm sure while you're rebuilding a temple, you're, you're still harvesting or you're still planting. I'm sure while you're rebuilding a temple, you're eating and you're drinking. I'm sure while you're rebuilding a temple, you're putting on clothes and you're staying on. I'm sure while you're rebuilding a temple, you're still earning a wage. But you will not, let me tell you again, you will not be satisfied. You can try. You can try for 16 years to be satisfied. But I promise you, you will not be satisfied unless you're putting the kingdom of God first. Without kingdom priority, we cannot have satisfaction. We can try. We can buy good food. We can build paneled houses. We can earn lots of money. We can do lots of things. But let me tell you, there's one who satisfies I think we can relate. I know people can relate to the checklist. We feel frustrated at times because we feel like we're planting and we're building and we're doing and we're getting the right house in order and we're raising our kids right and we're doing all these things that we're just supposed to be doing but we're not satisfied because we haven't given the king his priority. What's your priority? What is your priority? You come to me, you say, Pastor, I feel like we can never get ahead. And and you say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. What's your priority? It seems like the promise from Scripture is, is you're wrestling. Give careful thought. 
Just think about it for a second. Give careful thought to your life right now. In this room, maybe your inventory looks a little different. Give careful thought to your ways. Like just ponder, okay. Yeah, um, I seem to have everything, but I'm still not content. I'm still not, not satisfied. I thought if I just got that promotion, or I thought if we just got out of this, this piece of debt, everything would be okay, but, but I'm still not satisfied. I thought maybe when my kids grew up and I could start doing, I'd be satisfied, but I'm just still not satisfied. There's one who satisfies. Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs. In a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundation. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. God is the one who satisfies. What are they doing? You will build up the age-old foundations and He will satisfy. You will be like a well-watered garden in the midst of a desert with a spring whose waters will never fail. That's the God who satisfies. He desires to be the source, but our disobedience often limits His satisfaction in our lives. Our disobedience is affecting our satisfaction. When I'm choosing my way and I'm choosing my priority over His, it affects the satisfaction in my life. And I can't be satisfied. Matthew chapter 5, I did these because I think it's interesting in the context of of what was spoken in in, in Haggai. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? They will be filled. You eat and you're still hungry. You drink and you're never full. Guess what? Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because you will be satisfied. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will never, or will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Philippians chapter 4, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with satisfaction, if you're struggling with feeling content, if you're struggling when you give careful thought to your ways, the, 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 the reality of your life, or just the discontentment that you're facing, I encourage you to listen to His voice and do what He says. I'm cautious right now. I don't want to preach prosperity doctrine that everything is wonderful. I'm not saying that, that God's going to, to give you gold glasses or, or anything like that, but I can promise He will satisfy you. He will meet your needs. He says He will meet them according to what? The glorious riches which are found in Christ Jesus. God will satisfy you. He will take care of you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will not abandon you. 
He will bless you. He will bless the fruit of your hands. He will pour a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Why? Because we're right where we're supposed to be. God told the people in Haggai what happened. He held back the rain. Because they didn't have priority, they were experiencing problem. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your heart. You know, what are the things that you're pursuing that will satisfy? They're not bad. I remember I wanted to be a doctor. I pursued it because I thought that's where I would be satisfied. I pursued it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I pursued it because that's what I wanted to do. That's what I said I was going to do since I was that tall. But I can remember this Jerusalem experience of never being content. My testimony from when I was in college, I went to the University of Louisville, was on the pre-med program. I went there for a year and a half. I remember going to college, and, 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 I, and I worked in the chemistry department, and, and I remember my first year at college, I was never content. I didn't talk to people. I didn't have friends. I didn't, I didn't socialize. I had an apartment off campus, and another guy from my high school lived there with me. I just wasn't content. And God kept calling. Remember I told you you're supposed to be a pastor? Well, God, that'll come. I said, I'll do that. Let me get my degree first. Let me get my doctor thing. And I can be a pastor. I can be a missionary. I'll do all those things, great things. Just not time yet. And God said, I'm... I'm telling you, you're supposed to be a pastor. Kingdom priority. Okay, God. And so I made a choice after a year of college that I was going to go to Bible college. I didn't get there for a year, but I made that choice. And suddenly, because I was in the will of God, I was satisfied. I was still in the same place. I was still talking to the same people. I was still in the same classes. I was still around the same surroundings. But suddenly I made friends. Suddenly I, 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 was, I was okay. Suddenly things were right. I wasn't struggling with, with being content anymore. Why? It wasn't because God suddenly poured out all the money that a college kid could ever dream about or, or whatever. It was because I said yes to what God wanted me to do first. He became my priority. His will, His plan became my focus. And suddenly, I was satisfied. We chase things all the time believing that something other than God can satisfy. 
We chase this and we chase that. Some people chase alcohol. Some people chase women. Some people chase things. Some people chase, chase, chase items or whatever because we think the next one's going to satisfy. But I will tell you, there is nothing that can satisfy you but God. Give careful thought. Give careful thought. Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or about what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Man, could He not have spoken this to the, to the people in, in, in Jerusalem through the prophet? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. They labor. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they all run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But what? But verse 33, seek first His kingdom. That's kingdom priority. That's putting God first. Seek first His kingdom in His righteousness. And then what? All these things. They'll be given to you as well. All these things. Will be given to you. Because I'm seeking first. I'm putting kingdom priority in my life. You guys can come forward. God spoke it through the prophet twice. I've spoke it probably 14 times this morning. But I hope we can spend a moment giving careful thought to our ways. I hope that as we, as we conclude our, our, our time or as we kind of process the Word of God this morning that you can give careful thought to your ways. Look at your life. Look at your week. Look at what's been happening. Look at where you're at. Maybe you're saying, I just can't find satisfaction. Maybe you, you can struggle. You can relate to the, to the, to the Jews in, in the Old Testament because they just never had enough. You've been wrestling with, I'm just not satisfied. Give careful thought. Give careful thought to your ways. Maybe God has spoken something that you knew he said, you knew he was telling you that had to happen. You knew he said, go and do, get busy with this. But, you know, the time's just not right. I mean, it's not time yet. We'll get there. Give careful thought. Is the time now? Is what God has been speaking, is that time now? Is what he's been, been asking, is that time now, give careful thought. Give careful thought. Not just thought. Careful thought. Don't just up and start building because pastor said to build. 
Give careful thought to your ways. What's the priority? What is your priority? And as you as you give careful thought this morning, respond. Sometimes that response is repentance. Sometimes we have to acknowledge that, yeah, God, you told me to be a pastor, but I wanted to be a doctor, so I got to change. You know how they showed it in the book of Haggai? They just got busy. They heard the rebuke and they started working. Give careful thought. And then respond. Respond how God wants you to respond. Respond how the Spirit of God will speak to your heart to respond. I believe that that He can tell you. If you're worried about this or you're worried about that or you're worried about whatever, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and those things, they'll be added to you. Don't worry. God's got this. Father, I come this morning and I thank You for this Word. I thank You for this book and I look forward to what You'll speak to our lives, what You've spoken to our lives, even this morning in this book. And God, I pray for us that we can give careful thought. God, I pray that maybe we need to do an inventory. Yep, my purse seems like it's got holes. I'm never content. I'm always going here or there, chasing this or that. When you've told me to be right here. When you've already told me what I'm supposed to be doing. God, if there's someone here that says, I, I just don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not satisfied. I can't figure it out. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This is just frustrating because I don't even hear God's voice. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, I pray you would speak to us this morning. I can promise you're called to be a witness. I can promise you're called to be salt in light. I can promise that God desires you to be a conduit of His love in our community. I can promise that God has a purpose for you in this day, in this moment. I can promise you if you consider Christ Community Church your home, that He desires you to be part of of the impact in this community. Give careful thought. God, I pray for your your spirit to, to reveal, to highlight, to illuminate before our eyes where we're at. If we've been putting off for tomorrow what you desire us to do today, let us get busy.
God, I pray first comes the kingdom of God. We seek first your kingdom. Each and every one of us, the kingdom of God. Your will be done. Your way be accomplished in us and through us. He already provided for his plan to be accomplished. Sometimes we say we can't because we don't have enough. And God already provided. And so I just feel like I'm supposed to communicate that to someone in this room that God has already provided for what He's called you to accomplish. He will use the, the gold and, and the jewels of the enemies of the Persians for His fulfillment, His plans to be fulfilled in your life. This morning, I hope you give careful thought. Careful thought isn't just a momentary reaction. You know, if you're buying a house or buying a car, careful thought is like, it's a process. We we spend time thinking about these things. I encourage you this week to give careful thought to your ways. Yeah, we start, we enter in this morning, but... But I believe that there's more and I believe that this week God will reveal through what happens. He'll show you where you're at. And you look for kingdom priority in all things. You seek first His kingdom. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you live with kingdom priority in your life. Seeking first Him in His righteousness. Amen?